Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Did you know this Thursday, this week Thursday, be 40 days since Easter. So what happens on Thursday? What's, what's Thursday? The ascension of our Lord. Uh, and Christians have been observing that for centuries. Uh, and the reason is, is that the Bible tells us it was 40 days after the resurrection that Jesus then ascended into heaven. He took his place at the right hand of the Father and through the Holy Spirit rules his people. He is gathering his people. He is ruling them. And uh, as a matter of fact, through that, preparing us for the ultimate household. He's gathering the household of faith, the household called the church. And uh, by the way, but Jesus isn't absent. You know, it's a kind of a, it almost looks like a contradiction, an ironic kind of a thing, because Jesus goes away so that he can come closer. You get it? Okay. By the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus comes to us in a special way. Uh, And then, of course, we experience it in an even fuller dimension as we come to the Lord's table. Well, he's gathering his household. Now, uh, I just read to you a few moments ago from John chapter 12 about Jesus visiting a household. And uh, it's an earthly household, but he's preparing us in our earthly households for uh, living in that heavenly, that final household, the life of the world to come that is prepared for us where we will dwell in the house of the Lord. And so we get a little glimpse right now in our households where Jesus is present. And by the way, it, just to uh, remind you of what Shannon had mentioned in the announcements about Ray and Annie, um, they're going back to Zambia with a ministry for households, for families, for marriages, uh, restoring life uh, and bringing Jesus Christ into the center of people's lives uh, so that they can experience the blessings that he has in mind from them. That's why we're, we're going to have that special open house. Uh, it's going to be food there, refreshments, but also a time to hear a little bit more. And uh, you might even get inspired enough to want to be prayer partners on the long term with them. Well, biblical households, okay, even uh, the good ones weren't exactly what you call the, the typical household. Let me give you two cases in point. One is a household that had uh, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, just those two. Well, the backstory of that, Naomi was uh, she was married. She and her husband had two sons. They moved from Israel to the next next country, which was Moab. Spent some time there, but the husband died. Well, the sons got married. They married Ruth and Oprah. No, Orpah. Okay, that's a misspelling of Orpah, right? Okay, that's how she got her name. Uh, got wrong on the birth certificate somehow, and so she was. She's been Oprah ever since. But Orpah and Ruth, they were the uh, the daughters-in-law then of of Ruth. Their husbands died. Time came for Ruth uh, for Naomi to say, "Time to go back to the land of Israel." Okay, 
Ladies, it's been nice to know you. You've been wonderful daughters-in-law, but go to your own people, find some husbands, and and, uh, go on with your life. Uh, And then Orpah said, okay. And uh, Ruth said, no. Uh, She had become so involved with the God that uh, she got to know through Naomi that she said, we're where you go, I'm going to go because I'm not going to stay back here where they worship all these crummy gods and goddesses. I'm going to go where the real God uh, is worshipped by, by the people. And so she went. So they had a household of those two. Uh, another household, which is not your typical household, which had Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Three siblings together forming a household. That reminds me a lot about uh, a household I was quite closely connected with as a kid, and that is at Grandma's house. After Grandmother died, there were still three living in the household, uh, three siblings. Now, this was a small town, and there were 12 children in my mother's family, and all of them got married except, uh, well, these three were single. Uh, it was a small town. Like I said, they, they used up, you know, all the others used up all the available people to get married to. But at any rate, here we are. Now, there isn't any mention of the parents, so apparently the parents have died. There isn't any mention of any spouses, so Mary, Martha, and uh, Lazarus must have been single. Uh, no mention of any children in that household, which was not exactly typical because typical would be at least three generations occupying the same dwelling, and if there was an, a larger extended family, there would be, you know, next house, next house, next house, uh, all of them living really close together. So, yeah, the, the household had probably through uh, these deaths, experienced some hurts. And uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, point number one is that this was a household of hospitality. Thank you, Shannon, for introducing that concept to us. Hospital, hospitality. The door was open, and uh, there was that well-known visit. You know, Mary and Martha, and uh, Jesus came. It says, a woman named Martha welcomed him, that's Jesus, into her house. She had a sister, Mary. They don't mention Lazarus at this point. But uh, Mary, I mean Martha, seems to take charge. She's the alpha female. She's the matriarch of this whole thing. And she sets a tone of hospitality. No guest in my house will ever leave hungry. And if anybody needs accommodation, we'll find a bed somewhere for that person to sleep. And anyone, especially Jesus, is always welcome in my home. What a, what a beautiful kind of hospitality there is. And we're going to make a little application of that as we go along. Now, later on, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday riding that donkey, and they throw those palm branches out, that evening, the scriptures tell us that Jesus left Bethany, and, uh, and he lodged there. Bethany, that was where the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was. So likely... Uh, that's where he stayed, and then went back after, uh, because you see, Jerusalem is close to Bethany, it's just on the other side of the hill called the Mount of Olives, and then would spend the, t- the night there, go back into Jerusalem during the day, and until Thursday night when he was in, in well, he was in detention at the high priest's palace waiting the formal 
trial the next morning on Good Friday. So he received a lot of hospitality there, and, uh, but the door was not only open to the presence of Jesus, the door was open to the word of Jesus, especially shown when Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She can't get her eyes off of him. She's listening to every single word that he said. Now, both Mary and Martha had a profound love of Jesus, but the language with which they loved him was a little bit different. Remember that series we had for a couple months back? on the five love languages of God. So Martha's love language was acts of service. She was loving Jesus by serving him. And then Mary's love language was quality time. She just spent that time in no hurry to get up and fix the table and stuff like that. She just sat there with Jesus. So they both, they both loved him. Uh, one sister loved him by doing things for Jesus. The other one loved Jesus by doing things with Jesus. Now, we've got to mention another event, and that is during that week uh, in John chapter 12, which I just read to you, there was this brother Lazarus who had recently, a chapter ago, been raised up from the dead. Now, that calls for a party, And so they put on a big dinner at their house, and Jesus is invited, of course, because, you know, when Jesus does something wonderful, you want other people to know. And this hospitality becomes a platform for witness so that other people can get acquainted with Jesus, this medium of hospitality. Yeah. And then there's a second thing that happens. This is pretty dramatic. Uh, Mary. Mary just goes over-the-top generous with Jesus. Uh, When you understand who Jesus is and what he has done for you, you just get kind of crazy generous. Yeah, you just give, give, can't stop. In John chapter 12, going back where we were and the reading, it says this in uh, the third verse, Mary therefore took a pound of, is not cheap leftover. This is expensive ointment made from pure nard and aromatic flour. And then she poured it on, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Get this. This is, this is the outcome. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Oh, there we are again. Well, what did it cost? What, what was expensive? It was about a year's wages. That would have been uh, a, a bride's dowry. That's what it would cost, you know, to have a dowry. And everybody thought, what a waste, what a waste, you know? But Jesus lavishes his love on us, you know, and people would say, what a waste, what a waste, lavishing all that love on you, you know? And then because he lavishes his love on us, we lavish our love on him, that's natural. When we don't love our uh, lavish love on him, that's not natural. That's, that's, you know, stingy. Well, there are five things. I kind of want you to see this, this progression of things. First of all, there is an open door, and, and we want to apply this into our lives, okay? An open door for Jesus. He wants to be in every household. He doesn't want to just be in Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Secondly is the point of sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary did, listening to Jesus, spending that quality time with him. And then the third thing, what Martha did is she loved Jesus. She did those acts of service. And then the fourth, uh, the next thing that happens is that there is an outrageous 
outpouring of generosity toward Jesus. And the outcome, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Well, what would that look like? In fact, uh, to be literal, what would that smell like? Now, when I, going back to when I was a kid at Grandma's house, next to Grandma's house was the house of Aunt Carrie, <laughs> Uncle Irvin, and uh, the two kids, uh, Bobby and Elaine, that I would go over and play with just about every day. And uh, when I walked in the house, there was a distinctive smell. It must have been the products, the household products that she used that had that distinctive and go back next year, would have that same, uh, that same smell. So it, uh, it evidenced something that was there. You know, think about this now and applying that into our households. Does it have that fragrance of the presence of Jesus? He's our household cleaner, isn't he? He is the product. He is the one that, uh, you know, gets things going right for us. But you know how easy it is? Have you figured out how easy it is to just get our attention away from hospitality for Jesus? Uh, we've got so many important things we've got to take care of. I mean, you've got to take care of it. all those financial things, those social obligations, uh, the entertainment that you got to have from time to time, ambitions to get ahead, stay ahead, all the things we got to do with the kids. And then, uh, unfortunately, Jesus gets kind of a passing glance, a nod, a smile, polite wave. You know what I mean? Well, the question really is, what's the center of your household? And this is not by way of, uh, you know, trying to catch you and scold you. This is like, this is good news. There's an offer. This is something even better than what we typically have. And, and the question then would be, when people come into our home, spend a little time there, it has become obvious that Jesus is the priority of this household. What is the fragrance that comes through? Okay, so it was a household of hospitality. But the next thing, it was a household of harmony, Household of Harmony. Now, there were diverse personalities. You know, they were not cut out of a cookie cutter. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. They're really different from each other. So who's going to get their way? Do you know that sometimes, you probably figured out that sometimes in a household, some unhealthy ways of uh, relating to each other, interacting, start get to get going. You know, someone always want to run the show. Someone is passive aggressive and makes it impossible for them to run the show, which adds to the frustration. And, um, you know, then we withdraw or there's anger and, and all of these things that mess up a household. And it doesn't smell like the presence of Jesus. It's not the Jesus fragrance that's going on there. Now, we get a little glimpse into Mary, Martha, and Lazarus from the stories that are told. Uh, and we can see that there is a household of harmony. They absolutely, truly love each other in spite of the difference. Um, even though there have been some moments of tension there, there is a love and there is harmony. But what's the secret of harmony? Anybody here a musician? Have you ever sung in a choir, a vocal ensemble? What do you do? The important thing is not what is the sound you're making, but how well are you listening to the sounds that are around you? Because you continually have to make those little adjustments because your, your note needs to harmonize with the other notes. Or think of a string quartet. You know that violins and all the string instruments are, are continually going flat. 
they're going out of tune. So, uh, and you don't have frets on the violin. You have to just subtly move your finger just a little bit more to stay in tune so that everybody is in, in tune with each other. Did you know that you have to do this? Number one, if you're going to have a successful sports team, you have to have your eyes on and ears you know, toward each other. Who's going to do the play? Who's going to do what? Uh, and above all, it has to be that way in the church. Yeah, uh, that we are continually listening to one another, continually in love, adjusting, so that there can be harmony. Every marriage needs that. Now, they had harmony, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. They were continually looking out for each other, and there was a obvious there was love because when Lazarus died, there was so much grief and sadness in that household. Well, next thing they do is, because they want to outdo one another in showing honor, you know that from uh, the 12th chapter of Romans, they, are, uh, they, they put on a dinner to honor Lazarus, who's been raised from the dead, but in that they want to honor Jesus especially. But there's obviously an underlying harmony, and the basis of their harmony was Jesus. After all, it was Jesus that gave their brother back to them. And when Mary and Martha had that little tiff, like, Jesus, can't you get Martha, I'm Mary, to do the thing that she's supposed to do and help me out? And Jesus, you know, he intervenes. He says, Martha, Martha, just chill. It's going to be okay. So Jesus is welcome in any household. When he is welcome, that becomes a household of harmony. And when there's harmony, it's going to be filled with the fragrance of the presence of Jesus. The third thing, third one, and this is the last, I promise you, the household had some real hurts. But when Jesus is present, there is healing. Well, think about the hurts they probably experienced. They lost their parents. There probably was a loss of one, maybe two spouses. But the big one was the loss of Lazarus. They go into the depths of grieving. And, uh, you know, when there is grieving going on, if you've ever experienced, you know, you want to know, well, why? Why did that happen? Oh, if maybe I'd have made, if I'd have called 911 10 minutes sooner, she'd still be alive. You know, and I begin to blame myself for what happened or maybe blame other people. Those doctors didn't know what they were doing. They made us wait 65 hours in the waiting room, you know, uh, and they didn't come. And we, we want to find out why. And, and, you know, Mary and Martha, they had that thing going too. Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. You're not even blaming God for the death, you know, but that's okay. Jesus can handle it when, when we, you know, because there are stages of grieving that we go through when we have losses in our lives. You see, death is a part of life. Ever since that first bite of the forbidden fruit, even Christian households where everybody would be a devoted follower of Jesus, they can experience hurt, loss, grief, sadness. And we don't all just go around 24-7 with a big smile on our face. Try for 23-6. You know, that might work, but I don't think so. But Paul, the apostle, said to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, and Jesus just does that. He weeps with those who weep. There's a little, the shortest verse in the Bible, it just simply says, Jesus wept. Well, 
In John chapter 11, it says, this is what uh, Jesus did, said, okay, Jesus said to her, that is to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I don't know how many times I've spoken those words at a graveside, at a graveside. But the reminder that Jesus is the resurrection. Then the follow-up, Jesus asked this question, which he asks us, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Is Jesus the resurrection and the life? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. The first miracle is the miracle of faith, and that paves the way for miracle number two, and that is then Jesus. He's standing in front of that stone in front of the tomb, and he says, move that out of the way, and then he calls out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You know why he said that? (laughs) Because if he just said, come forth, all the dead bodies would have come out of the graves. Okay, that's the part, because he's the resurrection and the life. And by the way, one day, that is going to happen, and we're going to be there. Okay, so Jesus uh, begins to heal that hurt. He raises even him from the dead. And Martha, it, it all begins with her faith. Yes, Lord, I believe. Well, when you know who Jesus is and what he has come into this world to do, something's going to happen. You're going to welcome him into your home, into your heart, that hospitality of the heart for Jesus. And his presence is going to bring the fragrance of his presence. It's going to be a different kind of a household. And then along with that comes the harmony. The harmony when Jesus is in that house because he is the one. I can't make the harmony. My wife can't make that harmony. Our kids can't make that harmony. But when Jesus is there, it's it's beautiful. It's lovely, but we have to keep adjusting ourselves to one another, and more important than what I say is what I hear and then respond to in love. But where Jesus is, there is a household of harmony, and every household has its hurts. Who's got the perfect, you know, who's got the ideal perfect life? Mine is pretty close, but yet, you know, we all experience some hurts in our lives, some things that seem to be lacking that really are not the way we would like them to be. But when Jesus comes in, you see, he's the resurrection. He can raise us up from the deadness of our ruts, our graves. You know, uh, the songs at the beginning of the service about resurrection power. There's resurrection power. You know, we can come out of the graves. He even gets us out of those ruts. You know, a rut is just simply a a grave with the, you know, the ends kind of kicked out a little bit and uh, gives us life. Life is in Jesus Christ. And then your household can be filled with the fragrance of the presence of Jesus. And may this household, this house of God, be filled with the fragrance of his presence.